Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Welcome to New World Next Year 2020. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. I'm James Evan Pilato for MediaMonarchy.com. This annual look at our stories of the year and our trends for the next year. This is the only episode of New World Next Week of the year where we don't know what the other one's going to talk about. I think generally we might have a good idea, but we have not exchanged show notes as we typically do on all the other episodes. So, James, I went first last year, so you were going to go first this year, our 10th calendar year of New World Next Week. But I got to ask you first, do you remember your prediction for 2019? I do. I, well, actually, you tell me because I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure I said the weaponization of narrative. That's, you're exactly right. Corbett Report's 2019 trend prediction was weaponized narratives. So your pick for 2019's story, James. Yeah, I feel like I have to justify that that pick because it is such a vague thing that it could mean a million things. But I do have something specific in mind. Before I get to that, I should note, not only are we wearing ties, but I have an extra special accoutrement in my uh, wear today. Uh, I'll show it for the camera. My, my six-year-old son, who you had the chance to meet this year, uh, is going around making these uh, colorful hearts that he's going to give to all his friends for Christmas to tell them how he loves them. So he gave one to me, and uh, I promised I would wear it for our special New World Next Year video. So there you go to my darling son. Thank you very much for this lovely heart. I wear it with pride. Now, on to the story of the year. So I'm sure everyone's waiting with bated breath to find out what on earth is James's story of the year. And as usual, I will say that the story, the particular story I pick, isn't necessarily the story of the year, but I think it is reflective of the trend that I saw take place and that I predicted would take place in 2019, the weaponization of narrative. What does that really mean? I think it is reflected in a number of stories that took place this year. For example... One that kicked off the new year. Do you remember the Covington scandal story thing? That whole event, which we didn't cover a lot at the time. We did, I think, at least mention the uh, the follow-up that uh, that one of those kids was suing CNN and others. Um, but we didn't really follow it because it is part of the divide and conquer uh, narrative strategy. But it was a prime example of the weaponization of narrative. You show this incident that is just the visual representation of something that really happened. There were these children there, there was this protester, there was people shouting, oh, look at these racist kids getting getting in the face of this, this uh, Native American. And then uh, as more started to come out about what actually took place there, it was 180 degrees opposite. The actual reality was completely the opposite of what was being said, because the narrative of what that, that image that they showed you was, was exactly the opposite of reality. And that's the way narrative can shape our understanding of reality. You can see the exact same thing, but depending on what narrative is presented along with it, you see it in exactly opposite ways. And I think this played out in a number of different stories over the year, uh, year not only Covington, but uh, Ukraine Gate. Think about what is going on right now with Ukraine Gate and the quid pro quo. Oh my God, this is the most horrible scandal ever to happen in the history of delivering military aid to a foreign country that's at loggerheads with another nuclear superpower. What what is this really about? And then you find out about oh well, actually this is about Biden and what Biden's son was doing in Ukraine years ago. Why aren't why isn't anyone talking about the exact same thing? That is the mirror image of this Trump quid pro quo scandal, which had affected Biden himself. But don't ever mention that part of the story. Well, actually, we did mention that here on New World Next Week. We covered it at the time when uh, 
when that footage came out of Joe Biden at the CFR bragging about how he had basically fired, helped pressure Ukraine to fire their prosecutor who was prosecuting their son, his son. Anyway, so that's another example of a weaponized narrative. I think the QAnon PSYOP phenomenon, that was the, the prime example of weaponized narrative where, again, no matter what happens, no matter anything that Team Trump does, it must be right because he's the good guy and it's 4D chess. So anything that happens, he appoints Bolton, like the biggest warmongering, crazed neocon madman lunatic in the history of crazed neocon madman lunatics to his inner staff, his cabinet. Great. You know, keep your enemies closer. Oh, 4D chess, you know, yay. And then Bolton acts like a madman neocon lunatic and Okay, so Trump gets rid of him. Yay! He's 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 cleaning up the swamp that he filled. I mean, it's it's again, it's an example of weaponized narrative. Anything that happens is good because it's forty chess. So people can psyop themselves into believing anything. And here's so here's my pick for the story. Again, as I say, this is just one story out of many that could be picked. Uh, but I think this one just crystallizes it and shows it in such a funny way. Uh, swamp dweller Pompeo came out just a few weeks ago to say, we'll help legitimate Latin America governments prevent protests from morphing into riots. This is uh, this was posted by the, the robots, the bots at uh, Zero Hedge, as you <laughs> like to point out on Morning Monarchy, uh, where it says, for Washington, it's never too late to dust off the old Monroe Doctrine, apparently. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Monday issued a bombshell declaration concerning U.S. Latin America policy, vowing Washington's support to countries facing mass protests and unrest, which Pompeo says could be hijacked by Cuba and Venezuela, and thus by extension allies in Moscow and Beijing. Citing recent popular unrest in Chile, Bolivia, Ecuador, and Colombia, the U.S. top diplomat said, We in the Trump administration will continue to support countries trying to prevent Cuba and Venezuela from hijacking those protests, and we'll work with legitimate governments to prevent protests from morphing into riots and violence that don't reflect the democratic will of the people. All right, so I think the, the, the absurdity, the hypocrisy of this statement should be apparent, but let's just spell it out. So what they're saying is when there's a legitimate protest against a government, uh, well, sorry, when a legitimate government is facing illegitimate protests that go against the will of the people, uh, then we will step in to defend that government. But what about, uh, I don't know, what about what we just saw happen in, say, Bolivia? Where, oh, no, that you see, that was an illegitimate government, and the protests were, were the good guys in that case. So the coup is good when it happens against someone we don't like. The coup is bad if it's happening against someone we do like. 4D chess. Uh, okay, so this is legitimate. This is illegitimate. That is the weaponization of narrative. Essentially, the State Department is saying, anyone we like is legitimate, we will defend them. Anyone we don't like is illegitimate, we will defend the people protesting against them. It's the exact same thing happening in these different countries. Sometimes it's okay, sometimes it's not okay. And whatever nonsense justification they try to give for it, the hypocrisy is right there, it's in your face, it's blatant. They have taken a narrative and weaponized it, in this case quite literally, saying we will step in militarily if need be to defend any governments that we like against those thuggish protesters, and we will we'll protect the thuggish protesters against any governments we don't like. Um, again, I think that's just an example of what I mean by weaponization of narrative, and that story that just came out a few weeks ago, I think, crystallized it for me.
and you just you got me thinking right there. It's I mean, it's been a year of Venezuela and Guaido and the yellow vests in France and the protests in Hong Kong. It's popping off in all kinds of places. But again, for for old guys like us, it seems all so blatantly obvious of how just sort of rigged all of this stuff is. James, I'd be I'd be lying if I said I don't have the old impeachment kabuki show just streaming down here below. I mean, it's it's all the world's a stage, I suppose. Uh, I, I think maybe maybe you, you were trying to get there at the, at the point. We, we might need better nomenclature of our picks for the current year that we're in, maybe moving forward into our second decade of New World Next Week, James. Uh, my 2019 trend prediction for this year that we're sitting in right now if it pleases the bot, it was a robo consent and begging for permission from our fondle slabs. That was my trend prediction for 2019, and I think we still see that. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of this stuff, as I'll point out in a moment, just kind of almost becomes mundane at this point. The the the, the shock and the mind blowing things aren't aren't really there anymore. So my easy choice, I think, for this past year's 2019 story. I think, honestly, and I wondered if you were going to mention it there for a second. You did mention the Covington kids, which I might mention them a little bit later as well. The great false flag mega country attack on a nobody actor that riveted the nation. It was, I mean, it's a reality TV world. That was a media monarchy story from top to bottom and is indeed another weaponized narrative. People can see the same info and come to all come to different conclusions. And it's a... It is this balkanization. It is this fracturing of, of, I think, not only just culture and society and beliefs, but also just, I think, people's brains in a lot of ways. But my actual pick for story stories of 2019, I pretty much said a few months back on this show, and I'll say it again maybe in a different way, James, quote, yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite, end quote. That is one of the lesser-known warnings from President Eisenhower's farewell address to America, January 17, 1961. Everybody just mentions the watch out for the military-industrial complex, which, again, the fake left anti-war movement has no problem just throwing billions of dollars to Trump. Oh, Space Force. Oh, yeah, war. All that stuff's great. So I think, James, essentially it comes down to this. The scientific dictatorship isn't just here. I think it's already mundane. And I think I could see it just as I scroll down our New World Next Week playlist. Some of our, just the cover stories alone, that leaves out what some of the other two segments of each episode might be. I think even just some of our cover stories tell the tale. FDA to rich old men, stop infusing children's blood. House to Pentagon, did you weaponize ticks? Scientists announce human-monkey hybrids. Japan approves first human-animal experiment embryos. And then even more recent ones. The HIV-positive sperm bank that's opened in New Zealand. Or how about Jeffrey Epstein's genetic dating app and how he aimed to seed the human race with his DNA? As I was going through some of our older episodes, James, just putting all this together, it might really be like you said earlier this year, it's about lowering the value of human life itself. I think we've pretty much reached like full-on sci-fi horror movie levels here. But again, it is just like, it's oh, it's just something playing in the movies. It's not real, even though it's real in, in our faces right here. So I think ultimately, kind of like the Collins brothers wrote many years ago, here is the story 
of how the criminal elite hijacked science and transformed it into a weapon against the masses. It is the ascendancy of the scientific dictatorship, James. That's my story for 2019. Yeah. Yeah, good pick. I certainly can't disagree with that. That is, I, I think, self-evident in so much of this stuff that we cover here week in and week out. And as you say, even just the cover stories alone tell the tale. And uh, sad, but true. And perhaps that feeds into what we see coming in the new year. Um, will it be my turn to pick for 2020 now? Yeah, but right. I Okay, so next we switch to our predictions for trends for the upcoming year. And so this year, I am going to pick something. I don't know if I've picked something like it in the past, but anyway, <laughs> and no one remembers. It's all right. Uh, my, my prediction for a trend for 2020, I'm going to put under the title, It's the End of the Internet, bracket, as we've known it, end bracket. Um, now, what do I mean by this? I mean this in a number of different ways. First of all, the internet as we've known it has been more or less a global phenomenon. But it is becoming balkanized. It is becoming walled off in a number of different ways uh, nationally. And that has been reflected in a lot of the things that I know you cover there on Morning Monarchy. In fact, I uh, was just listening today um, to a story that related to, to this that you've covered on your uh, Cyber Space War Tuesday edition of Modern, Morning Monarchy. And I don't have that story up in front of me, so people can check your archives for that. But I do have some uh, some related stories. Like, for example, um, just recently we've seen with these Iranian protests, we now have uh, techdirt.com. Iran accelerates long-standing quest to cut itself off from the internet. Talking about some of the uh, internet shutdowns that are going on in the wake of the, the latest unrest there in Iran. Uh, there's uh, Indian uh, internet shutdowns that are going on related to the riots that are taking place over the Assam um, uh, kerfuffle going on about registering uh, citizens who aren't supposed to be there and all of this. But but beyond that, uh, India has a massive amount of internet shutdowns that have been uh, affected over the course of the last year and in the preceding years, perhaps most notably and recognizably in Jammu and Kashmir, where they shut down the internet and all mobile communications and, and imposed a curfew and then said, oh yeah, by the way, we now rule you, the federal government here in India, and you don't have a state anymore. Um, but uh, in fact, this is such a pervasive phenomenon. There's an entire website, internetshutdowns.in, that notes... 365 different internet shutdowns that they've tracked. Uh, I'm not sure how many years they've been tracking that, but at any rate, they, you can go and click through to each region of India and find out you know, when it was shut down and for what purpose. But the Indian government certainly likes to apply that. Um, we also see this not just in terms of direct shutdowns of internet access in various places or shutdowns of uh, you can't access Twitter anymore or China, you can't access Shutterstock because they might have an image we don't like, that kind of thing. But also now the the talk of creation of walled-off internet, internet national portals, essentially. Um, for example, this story from February of this year, Russia must build own internet in case of foreign disruption. Vladimir Putin, of course, the leader of the new world, I mean, sorry, the multipolar world order, uh, who also likes to pass laws saying that if you do anything that we count as fake news or that den denigrates the ho holy, glorious Russian government, you're going to jail. Um, so we know that the model for, for all of this, this trend towards the shutting down of the internet, or at least the walling off of the internet, the ultimate model that the technocrats have in mind is, of course, China. Of course, the Great Firewall of China. That is the dream of the internet of the future for the technocratic tyrants. 
every national leader wants the ability that China has to completely wall off its internet and selectively, of course, let things in and let things out, but to be able to control everything that's going on on the internet in real time is, of course, the goal. And that will be uh, instituted in different ways in different countries, but I think China is the ultimate model of that. And I don't foresee that happening in the free, liberal democracies of the West anytime soon, unless and until we get the punch in the Facebook, the cyber false flag event that you and I have been warning about here on New World Next Week for basically the entirety of New World Next Week's existence over the past decade. We have been talking about this incessantly and noting at every opportunity, the iPatriot Act is waiting in the wings. They have it on, on the shelf. Lawrence Lessig talked about that years and years ago. It is there. He has seen it and read it and says, yes, it, they, they have it prepared. So you better believe that when the big cyber false flag event goes down, they will roll out draconian restrictions on the internet. Um, so there's all of that, sort of that political national level of walling off the internet. On top of that, of course, there's the trend that we've obviously seen developing over the course of the last decade plus, but specifically in the past year of search engine manipulation, algorithm manipulation, um, bots to flag various content. Of course, all of that kind of overlay on top of the, the internet as we've known it, that is more and more restricting the free flow of information like the information that we provide here at New World Next Week, week in and week out. And obviously that is going to continue. That is not going to stop and will potentially get even worse as, of course, the uh, Washington Congress critters get involved in the game and they're going to regulate Silicon Valley guys and they, oh, yay! Oh, the government, our saviors have stepped in and everything will be better now. No, obviously this is a trend towards censorship that's going to continue, deplatformings and what have you. So that is my prediction for a trend for 2020, essentially the end of the internet as we've known it. But if there is a silver lining to this dark cloud, I would say that it will potentially, or it could, I should say it could, because it really is a question, the future is what we make it, as I learned from Terminator 2, low those many years ago. Um, there is the possibility for us to use this horrible trend that's developing to motivate us to actually develop the web the way it was supposed to, or that it was promised to us. Obviously, it was never supposed to actually liberate us. But but uh, decentralized web technologies, the D-Web, this could potentially be the kick in the rear that people need to motivate themselves to actually educate themselves just a little bit to, to find out about the technologies that already exist that will skirt these types of regulations that are coming down on the internet as we've known it. So the internet is changing and there will be the walled off national security level, we, we control everything that happens version of the internet. There will be a freer web out there. It will be harder to access. It will require technolo technological and technical savvy and it will require education. It will require, require effort as everything that is worth having requires. Uh, but if people don't see a reason for it, oh, it's just so convenient. Why? I, I'll just finger scan to get on the controlled national network. I mean, what's, what's the problem? Well, you're so weird, James. Um, but it, it, perhaps some people in our audience will be motivated. And on that note, I do hope to have more coverage in the new year of the D-Web and the various technologies that are coming along, IPFS and others that threaten to de, uh, de dethrone the establishment uh, that is 
putting itself up on the internet. So that's my prediction for a trend and potentially a silver lining uh, to go along with that dark trend. James, you, you kind of remind me, this, uh, the analogy would be, is that it's going to be, it's maybe going to be a little more difficult. How easy Napster and Kazaa and that stuff was, and then how many people didn't make the leap to doing BitTorrent? Because even myself, I was like, uh, I don't really exactly know what I'm doing. Oh, okay, but I've got stuff downloading. It, it's going to kind of be something like that, James. The other point I think you, you made, um, China gets all the headlines for all of these sort of things. But you're right. I mean, India is essentially doing all of the same moves, but they don't really get they don't get all the all the wild news coverage. And again, I think that's because we're supposed to just believe in U.S., Russia, China, and that's all there is. And that's all they're ever going to be because they've propped themselves up as the leaders of all of it. My 2020 trend prediction, James, is again one of those things I think as you and I both talk about this, it's not like this hasn't happened already. I'm just saying I think it's going to increase and get much bigger and much worse in the coming year. I call it pediatric political props. Using kids for political propaganda, a.k.a. won't somebody please think of the children, just not those ones, you know, bombed for decades based on false flag lies. When we make political pawns of children, in 2019, virtually every sphere of consumerism provides an opportunity for political expression. This is coming from Marion West. With the emergence of global online, a.k.a. CIA-connected marketplaces like Amazon, a seemingly endless selection of politically branded apparel, accessories, and homeware is available. Trump shower curtains to Bernie barbecue tongs. Assuredly, most of the people who buy these products are quasi-adults. It is therefore disturbing to observe how much of this merchandise is designed for young children, and perhaps even more disturbing how much of it is designed for infants. The market for politically exhibitory baby onesies serves as a strangely specific but damningly symptomatic example of this phenomenon. While, of course, most of this is independent retailers, like anything that becomes a big trend, there's going to be dudes in the parking lot with bootleg t-shirts trying to sell it, as, as there's always been. But actual candidates and official websites are doing this. Kamala Harris, who womp womp already dropped out of the big 2020 show, sold her For the People line in sizes ranging from three to six months to 18 to 24 months. Justin Trudeau, of course, Canada's first black prime minister, he has onesies, future liberal prime minister. They shrink in the dryer, James, so he recommends shopping a size up. Indeed, for expectant mothers and fathers, there are plenty of options for turning babies into adorable, unassuming little billboards. Since the inauguration of Swamp Thing, the annual women's marches have occasioned displays of objectification so brazen and of individuals so young that they ought to offend the sensibilities of any reasonable adult, certainly those of any reasonable parent, regardless of political affiliation. And yet, toddlers hold signs with messages they cannot possibly understand. And what have we seen? I mean, not only just since the big 2016 show, but even just in this year. The great Greta Psyop. I mean, that's that's really that's kind of the topping of, of a lot of them. But all the school walkouts for climate, for guns, for whatever, those women's marches, the Parkland teens. I know that goes back a little bit further, but it's still that 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 mentality, as it were. The Covington kids, as you just mentioned, the migrant kids crying about things fake news is lying about. 
transgender kids, which I think actually kind of connects part and parcel to my 2019 scientific dictatorship story. Attempts to lower the voting age. Hell, James, they're about to raise the cigarette smoking age to 21 here in the States. So just remember, it's at 18, it's cool to vote to steal my money or put me in a cage for whatever made-up reasons. You can go murder other 18-year-olds in the graveyard of empires. You can even still own a gun for now, but you certainly can't smoke what you like. We're already seeing this around again. Gun rights, the Green New Deal, but this is all going to expand and encompass the big 2020 presidential platform issues. Even like those little kids being sicked on Dianne Feinstein. Just little kids with signs they don't fully understand or even... Of course, some jerk-ass politicians basically be like, hey, I've been doing this for a while, little kids. Why don't you shut up and let me do my job? I'm an adult. It pretty much looks everybody look pretty horrible. On and on. And I think it's going to get worse as we, of course, fly into yet another most important election year. And I think it's going to kick, kick off even more. You know, things kind of subside and then they get ramped back up. I think when the fake woke kids and their infantilized adult counterparts learn that impeached doesn't necessarily mean removed from office. And I look down and see right now, James, the latest for you. This is the breaking news. 213 to 154 in favor of impeachment. So they voted for it, but that doesn't mean Swamp Thing gets removed from office. Earlier today, I asked my buddy back in Portland, who I referred to anonymously on my show as my millennial friend, as opposed to my Alexa friend. Hey, how are the natives doing there with the impeachment show? Have they wigged out yet? He said, quote, they had protests last night, but it wasn't wild. I think it's going to be wild if he's impeached but not removed. There will be riots. So to bring it around like I like to, I think, a good old kind of media analogy, this even connects way back to those Illuminati super friends who love to sing charity songs about being the world. As it was said 30 plus years ago, pictures of starving children sell records. I think the only difference now, James, is that those kids think they're influencers and they're shooting the album covers themselves with their little fondle slab selfies. Won't somebody please think of the pediatric political props? That is my predicted trend for 2020. And as I have written and didn't just sketch it down as you were talking, it's either going to be that and or the I-9-11. James. Well, there you go. Great minds think alike. And uh, yes, very astute observation. I think you are correct. It would have been especially uh, uh, fascinating if you had predicted that last year and we saw the rise of the Greta PSYOP this year. But anyway, it, no, it is uh, it's absolutely bang on. And it's unfortunately, as we're ramping into the 2020 circus, I'm sure there will be many more examples of this in the coming months that we can behold. Um, but at least we will be forewarned and perhaps better thus prepared to protect ourselves against that kind of PSYOP, as well as, I should have noted in my 2020 prediction, of course, the 2020 circus will be feeding into the end of the internet, and you saw everything that came as a result of 2016, and oh my god, the wrong person got selected, so now let's start cracking down on the internet. Can you imagine how much worse that's going to be in 2020? Uh, regardless who wins and who loses, uh, newsflash, the, the public loses. The government political parasites win, no matter who wins the selection. But anyway, uh, yeah, they're, whoever wins, whoever loses, the loser's going to blame it on bots and agents and, oh, we have to crack down on the internet. So that, that's going to be, that. that is now the weaponized narrative for 2020, already packaged, sealed, delivered. You can count on it, guaranteed, 100%. So anyway, this all feeds into a big, uh, 
I don't know how to say that in a polite way, something show <laughs> for 2020. Uh, it's not looking good in a lot of ways, but again, it is what we make of it, right? So um, you got any happy words to leave us on? Because this is our final <laughs> episode before the Christmas New Year break. Uh, yes, it's, it's of course a, a, a shameless plug. Uh, I'm pretty much wrapping up my regular broadcast this Friday as with just a regular episode, but then this Saturday, all, and of course the winter solstice, December 21st, all day Saturday solstice via MediaMonarchy.com. I'm going to be basically live streaming my best music of 2019. It's actually something I've been doing even long before I've been doing Media Monarchy and I've been doing Media Monarchy for 14 plus years so that will be streaming all this Saturday. It's, you know, we can all pretty much have a good time and listen to some music, all kinds of good music, new and independent music from all around the world. Again, I'm kind of a radio guy. I think James that. And one of the best stories, of course, of this year, dude, we met in real freaking life for our 10th anniversary. James, thank you so very much for everything you've done here on these shows. Thanks for everything you did. I mean, you, you opened your home to, to my wife and I. And I appreciate you. I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for all this. Thank you so much. I will. Uh, I will send you a heart um, for from my uh, from my son. Uh, yes. And speaking of shameless plugs, uh, this weekend in the forecaster, I'm going to be writing about not just the story of the year, but the story of the decade. Uh, what was the big story narrative of the 2010s? Uh, so if you are at all interested in that, please do become a Corporate Report subscriber, and uh, I will send you the details of how to get logged in so you can read the subscriber newsletter every weekend. And uh, the first newsletter in the new year will be my prediction for the trend, not just of 2020, but of the 2020s, the prediction for the decade. So again, if you're interested in that, please do sign up to become a Corporate Report subscriber. I'm sure you're all already subscribers of Media Monarchy, but if not, why not? not. Uh, James is putting out incredible work there every single day, so I hope you will support his work. And on that note, let me thank every single person who already is a subscriber to either or both of our reports. You literally make this possible, so all the best to you and yours for this Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, festive season. James, thank you so much. Thank you so much, buddy. Take care.